Hi folks, Joel here. Today marks the fourth anniversary of Super GG Radio, which, truth be told, is a milestone I didn't expect to reach. Um, Alex and I started this as an excuse to catch up around video games, which is a shared interest of ours. Since then, shortly after, Eric Getty Dedinger and Alec Parts joined us, and the show has evolved into something we've really been proud of and have a lot of gratitude for the opportunity to do. I figured to celebrate this day, we'd pull our first ever recorded episode from the archives. It's something I deleted ashamedly <laughs> from the, the feed before because of how bad I think it's been, uh, or it's one of those things where it's so rough around the edges and it's, it's really easy to wince at 2019 me, but I figured it'd be a good reminder that everything starts from humble beginnings and a good comparison between last week's episode and this one will give you a feel for how much we've really changed over the years. Um, I won't go into a whole preamble sending out individual thank yous, but we do appreciate everyone who's listened and everybody who we've met along the way and been able to collaborate with. And it's something that we're very, very happy with. Uh, you all know who you are. That said, Enjoy the show. What's good, Internet? This is Super GG Radio Podcast, Episode 1. The introduction, the inaugural, the opening remarks, the sequel to the prologue, which is just Chapter 1, but okay. This is your host, Alex Arona. And with me is Final Fantasy IX superfan, Joel DeWitt. Hey, Joel. Hey, Alex. I've got on my robe and wizard hat. I am Team VV, although I am gladly an ally to Buzz Nightyear. I like that. I, and, I, I really like that. And I'm wearing my monkey tail of plus two perversion. Dude, he gets all the smooches. All the smooches. Really grab-assy, too, in a way that's kind of uncomfortable. It was a different time. Sure was. It was, was. A, diff- it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for this week's podcast, we're going to start with our normal segment, Early Adopter. Joel, I see here you've actually been playing uh, some Crackdown 3, huh? So I took a dive when Microsoft did a deal with uh, $2 for a month of Xbox Game Pass. You dipped your toes in. I did, and they actually, I think it might still be ongoing, but you, you put two bucks in towards the subscription, and then they give you an additional month on top of that at the same price. So, good time to try to dive in and try it. And it's a game that I've heard good things about in the past, but not usually being an Xbox person when it comes time to dive into a console. It's something that I've always been overlooking. So, I wanted to give it a try since it seemed timely, and it was a cost of entry of $4. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a great deal. It really is. Yeah, and, you, you know, that's probably about all I'd pay for it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not that it's a bad game. I mean, it's it's perfectly fun. I've put about maybe three or four hours into it so far. And it's, rel- it's relatively short. Well, I, I've, I've heard that too. I'm not sure because I haven't gotten that deep into it. And frankly, I'm not really pursuing what story there is of it. But I would say that it's good, simple, fun. It's an open-world shooter game. The attitude is kind of silly, over-the-top attitude. Would you, would you give it? A, would you say it's a Saint, it's like Saints Row, better, worse? 
I, I would probably put it on par, but I'm also not the biggest fan of Saints Row. So okay. that that kind of if that helps you sort of set the expectation. Where Saints yeah. Saints Row seems kind of crass in its humor sometimes, mm-hmm. and like borderline trying hard to be almost offensive. Crackdown really is more kind of just over the top attitude and just trying to toe the line of not being annoying, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, the, they're just walking up to that edge of try hard in a way that it's still kind of funny, but it's if it were just a little more, it'd be grating. Okay. And so from what I've seen so far, it's it's fun enough. When you start out, everything feels a little slow. And the intro's kind of crazy because they start you with Terry Crews and a I crew love of... Some Terry Crews. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he's the right choice for that kind of bombast that he goes for, right? And they're sort of these group of super elite soldier types, and he's pumping up the team and getting them all excited, and then they just get obliterated. Like, I mean, but they, who, wouldn't they, be, who wouldn't be pumped by Terry Crews? I mean, that guy just sweats, like, super amped attitude. A mystery for the ages. I mean... Mm-hmm. Bottle that. So what happens next in the story is they just show this woman who if it gives you any sense of how memorable the story is i don't remember any of these people's names in the story but they show her sort of walking up towards one of those water chamber things that are kind of the futuristic healing tanks with the water that supposedly is like new think like the dragon ball z chamber things where people get healed up except Mm -hmm. it's a tube and they show they show what you presume is Terry Crews, and he just looks like a husk of a person. Okay. And she says, explains what's happening, and says, give me some kind of sign that you're on board for this, or something like that. And they do like the the Terminator thumbs up kind of thing, where he's like, he's forcing his hand up and doing like the the shaky thumbs up. It's just... Mm -hmm. It that gives you a sense of the kind of humor and tone it's going for, and I, I think it generally works pretty well. It's just the the game behind it itself is it's one of those things where open world games for me are kind of they gotta hit the right mix of fun to go across the world and gotta travel. Find that sweet spot. Yeah, and it's gotta feel fluid in a way that I really appreciate, and uh, combat hopefully feels satisfying and has that kind of power fantasy going on. I think it hits the power fantasy side fine, and I think that it's fun enough once you get a little farther into it to travel the world. When you start off, you feel a little slow, but you get access to some cars and the ability to jump farther and run quicker. That helps speed and roll on the movement a little better. Mm-hmm. But the general movement otherwise isn't the greatest feeling. The combat feels a little bit kind of... And afterthought, everything's very much lock-on shoot with your weapons, and but the lock-on isn't always that precise. So you feel okay. like you would have locked on to something and it just misses it. Or you'll feel like you're jumping towards a building and grabbing onto a ledge, but there'll be sort of a ledge underneath that catches you and keeps you from reaching the place you wanted to. Just okay, so it gets, it gets a little glitchy. Yeah, well, and there's even been a couple of times that it's frozen on me. The, the oh. console is fro- frozen on me, and it, it won't outright uh, kill it. But what that's, hap- that's a shame, though. Yeah, but it'll just it'll hitch for four or five seconds while dialogue's still going on, and it'll sort of catch up all of a sudden. And grant you, I'm running on a plain Xbox One mm-hmm. launch system, so it's not exactly like I'm running on the beefiest hardware or anything. But y- you still expect a sort of minimum bit of functionality, or, or at least consistency in how it runs. Yeah, and, you know, and again, if you 
had didn't have Game Pass, right? You would have paid. Was it? I think it was like sixty dollars, right? I, I'm pretty sure it's a full price game, isn't it? Yeah, and then this game has been in development for so long. So if you were like again a hardcore fan of the series, right, you've been waiting for a long time. So it's you know plus Terry Crews, like that guy came out saying like he was so proud of this, and it's like oh man, I don't, I just hate to disappoint Terry Crews. Do Do you know if he was involved in the other ones? Uh, that I am not aware of. So I'm I I assume considering that this is like a big deal for him, like he yeah. again posted this is the first time he's ever been the star of a video game. I can only assume no. Okay, I, I wasn't sure, and I, I hadn't really been following this too much outside of seeing the prior E3 press conferences where they've showed stuff off with it and kind of teased what they do with it. Uh, the other thing I'll touch upon real quick is that visually, this game looks like it should have been done years ago. And I, I guess that made sense given how long it's been in development, but I, I almost saw it and felt like it belonged to more between the xbox one and the xbox 360 period mm-hmm. of time and yeah it, it took me really by surprise because you'll see these bright neon colors going as you drive around with the signs and things but the the characters look real muddy the uh, the yeah. buildings look kind of bland outside of the occasional sort of neon streaks and futuristic almost if this stuff wasn't like on. if only this like almost like this wasn't like made to be hd yeah, that that's sort of a good framework, I guess, to place it in. And, and it's not it's not something that is a deal breaker, especially given how little expectations I had walking into it. But mm-hmm. it is something that's just really noticeable when you're playing it and considering when it's coming out. Yeah, now, right? Like 2019. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's it's, for me. It's more the fact of that, like you compare it to what is currently available, and it's like you know, Red Dead just came out. Right. And like, you know, I'm not saying that Red Dead is is end all be all games, but it's like, man, that's a there's some steep competition right now. So, it's it's hard for like there to be like these mid-tier games coming out and just be like, "Oh man, this is going to get swamped, you know." Or, or even if you want to do something more one-to-one than Red Dead, think Spider-Man for PlayStation yeah. 4. I mean, that that world is just it's dense. There's people and cars and things going on across the whole landscape and you've got these varying buildings depending on what borough you're in i'm I'm playing it now and i'm always impressed always impressed or even gosh the the last open world superhero game besides that that i played in recent memory is infamous second son and that that still has some of the same kind of blandness problems of the overall world but Mm. there's sharp colors with explosions and the powers look impressive and the characters don't look like they belonged on an xbox 360 and it just is a lot more vibrant in that sense that keeps it from being a total muddy bland boring mess long story short infamous is pretty good spider-man's pretty good crackdown's okay crackdown is worth a weekend if you're looking for something to play and can get over the initial hump i think while playing yeah check, check it out on redbox yeah, or if you've got an Xbox right now, then there's not a better time to jump into it with how cheap it is to get into the Game Pass. Yeah, it's a, you know, again, if I had an Xbox, I'd be on that. So I see that you're putting a game called Spellbreaker on your early adopter. Can you elaborate on that one? That's new to me. I will definitely uh, get into it. I did want to say, though, Terry Crews now joining the pantheon of movie stars in films, joining people like Bruce Willis, Seth Green, and Sam Jackson. Terry Crews made it. He did. 
Joel, I really like Terry Crews. I just want to let you know that. I'm sure he's very happy to hear you say that when he gets around to watching or listening, or listening. to this podcast. Terry Crews, avid fan of Super GG Radio. So, Spellbreaker. Let me let me tell you about Spellbreaker. Uh, Spellbreaker is a battle royale. Uh, now, let me tell you, a bunch of wizards drop onto an island. Well, really, you teleport via like portals you pick. So you actually have the big map, and then you can actually pick where you want to spawn, and you drop out of the sky. So it's not necessarily a portal. You just teleport above it, and you drop down. And your weapons that you're really gunning for are gauntlets. So mm-hmm. the gauntlets, uh, they are different elementals. I think it's 8 to 10. I can't remember right offhand, but... The each and you can cl- uh, equip one on each hand, and each one has uh, two different uh, ways to ha- cast a spell: a, a main one, and then a, like a bigger, more advanced one that takes more mana. And your your mana is recharging as you go. So, what kind of powers are you using with these gauntlets and your mana? So, uh, say you have uh, the fire gauntlet, you can shoot a fireball, or you can, um, I believe it was, shoot a straight line of just straight fire. And you can pick where the line is. So if you've played Overwatch, think Maze Wall, but it's just fire. So you pick like a, you have a line that you can put out there, and then all of a sudden it'll just like start fire, it'll just start shooting up from the ground. I'm now, guessing the world is a more fantasy setting with sort of wooded... Bro- broken down castles and stuff like that. But what also makes it cool is that, okay, I have... Uh, I have uh, a ground co- uh, gauntlet, and I have a fire gauntlet. If I were to put uh, my firewall down, I'd make a wall of fire. I use my gauntlet spell, which actually puts cr- uh, cracks in the ground, and the cracks on the ground bring the fire with it. Huh. So the actual gameplay really takes off when you start, like, say, take a, a wind spell and you make a little tornado, and then you just fill it with lightning. So, so you can combo different gauntlet powers to sort of make chain reaction moves yeah, if, that can... If, when you have the ice gauntlet, you throw ice spears. But if someone's throwing a fireball, that melts. But that then creates a puddle. And in that puddle, if you electrocute it, you, you electrocute everybody in the, in the water. Spellbreaker, brought to you by the same people who made Magicka. You know, it actually seems really, really similar to Magicka, except for looks a little like Fortnite. <laughs> but it is actually a lot of fun when you start to realize how how kind of intricate you can put together things and then also at the same time what it is when someone freezes you and then one of your friends throws a fireball at you and dethaws you so is there any information on player count how many people are in a match is it 100 or i'm trying to look it up now because i couldn't remember what i saw uh i really had a good time but i can't for the life of me remember Okay. How many people it was. And then the other things that you get are, uh, at the beginning, you can pick a class. So you will ha- you, one of the elementals, you pick, like a, you pick like a class in that, say, elemental. And you will then get, and you can pick two of them. And mm-hmm. it will then, uh, throughout the world, you'll find skill points, that, like little items. They look like little items, little orbs. That when you pick up, you can put a point into one of those classes, which will give you bonus abilities. So if you pick the ice class, you can put bonus abilities that when you put ice on the ground, you can go, you can slide across it and move faster. So these classes, you, you choose them every round that you yep. play before you yep. start the game? 
Well, I mean, as soon as you get in, it says pick your class. Right. You can just start shooting people if you want, but it's, it's better if you pick your class because then you get bonuses. But picking up these, are they, you said they're orbs or? Yes, they're orbs that they call skill points. Okay, but th- these are still co- still points that are exclusively used in that round you're playing. It's not something that gets carried over. Oh, yes, yes. It's just for the round. Okay. And so then, it, it's like picking up loot on the other shooter-based Well, if you, if, you think of, if you think about it, they, when you're playing like a PUBG or a Fortnite or any of those Apex, you're picking up a gun, you're picking up mods, you're picking up, you know, scopes and backpacks and health items. Right. And so with this case, when you pick, uh, when I pick an ice, the ice class and I get a skill point and I put it in, I now have 100 armor because it's ice armor. Okay. So it's just kind of one of those things that it adds the modification for you. Uh, along with what they call runes, which you have one rune slot, and you pick that up, and there's different ones that give you variations on now you jump higher, now you have bonus run speed, now you have your, you know, this spell will be more powerful. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this is this is interesting to me, just by virtue of being something other than a military-style shooter or something involving guns explicitly. I mean, Fortnite has the differentiation of being very cartoony and having the, the structure building associated with the two, but I have never been at a point where I felt confident in being competent at that, or frankly, any other uh, battle royale. But the, the tone and the theme of this one sounds really interesting yeah especially because it doesn't it doesn't make it so it's not a PUBG. it's not that serious yeah but the way you're playing when you're being chased and you're jumping through the air firing fireballs while people are throwing poison tornadoes at you is really a like a lot of like fun hectic chaos right in a way that just kind of feels it feels interesting it feels fun uh, just for clarification, I was uh, researching here, and you do have 11 classes that are all different. Okay. Um, and then I was trying to see if I could still find uh, the internet, but not finding how many players it is. So, But I, I'm guessing it probably follows the same model of monetization, loot boxes, maybe uh, paying for different classes beyond what are out right now, or are you limited to a number of classes first? Uh, well, I mean, again, every character is the same. It's the classes that make them different. Maybe there will be cosmetics down the road, but again, this is actually uh, less of a beta and more so still an alpha, which which is actually, for me, stranger because it, it's really competent. Oh, so we're, we're talking about something that's not even full release yet. This is just something that is out there almost in test currently. It, Exactly, and anybody can anybody can sign up. Uh, and it, you know, Spellbreak is again, it's an al- a closed alpha, but anybody can sign up, and you know, they'll email you every once after a while and say, okay, well, now you can jump in and give it a shot. And it's again a, lo- a lot of fun, and it f- it feels really well thought of. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll probably check that out. It seems really frantic in a way that could be a lot of fun, based on how you're describing it. Yeah, I, I do recommend at least uh, throwing them an email and hopefully, and you know, future gets get signed into something like that. Oh, so it's a sign up yeah, program. Yeah, I had I had signed up a, a little bit ago. So, okay, yeah. As, as soon as we made this podcast, I was like, man, I gotta get in some betas. <laughs> I somehow got into an alpha. Very nice. Uh, and then uh, the next thing, uh, we are both playing Trials Rising. Yes, we are. And to clarify, I'm doing it on the Nintendo Switch, and I think you are as well. Yes, yes, I am. 
Yeah, so this is very much like Trials Fusion. Is that the last one that came out? Uh, I believe that is. Uh, I'm gonna... I'm gonna look double check that, but I, I, that sounds right to me because it was it was uh, try. What was the first one? Oh, you're you're testing um, my knowledge on that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a tough one. Okay, here we go. Uh, uh, Evolution, Trials Evolution, I believe was the first. Well, I mean, there was Trials HD, Trials Evolution, Trials Fusion. Yes, there we go. Okay, so my I don't have that much experience with this series actually, uh, except for Trials Fusion, which was a PlayStation Plus for a month one of the free games offered mm-hmm. and it's something that caught fire with me just because it hit sort of a, a right itch for me and it's it's a motorcycle racing game but it's really more of a, a physics game because it's all about balancing the momentum of your motorcycle with how you are leveling the weight of the motorcycle and, and managing that with the acceleration as well as that you are on crazy, crazy, crazy tracks that don't make any sense. Oh, well, especially in this beta so far from what I'm seeing. it's I mean, Fusion, starting out, they're very sensible is the wrong word because it's still kind of asinine with how almost up and down like a roller coaster it is. But yeah, yeah. He, here, the levels they give you from the start are basically you're going through like little sequences that almost feel like movie sets of crazy explosions or halloween monsters or different just nutso kind of contraptions and rube goldberg machine kind of situations as you're trying to just manage the the momentum with the weight of the the driver as you go through and it's it's hitting the same itch from my seat one thing i did notice is that being being some of you played the last trials game on playstation 4 that runs smooth as butter on there you mm-hmm. know everything feels I, yeah, I, rem- I remember everything feels quick it's not really it's not a standout game visually but everything looks sort of clean and works well within the structure of the game this beta i, I assume it's because it's on switch it, it's toned down graphics which makes sense it's not a playstation 4 but also it feels slower so i'm guessing that there was something to do with maybe having to tone down the frame rate i i didn't feel like it was slower but i definitely felt like i was hitching i, f- I felt like i got it i got a, i could hit a couple of hitches that um again where i just play and it would just stutter just like for like a, just one second just enough for me to be like oh okay mm. Yeah, you might be characterizing it in a more correct way. It's just that I I noticed that, and it feels like it tamps down the sense of speed. It'd be kind of like if you were playing an F-Zero game that wasn't going 60 frames per second. It's going to feel it's going to feel slow. It's yeah, like, it's feel a little sluggish. Right, or a similar example, when you're playing Mario Kart 8, if you had a four-player-plus game, part of how they compromise it is by going from 60 frames per second to 30. And oh, you, yeah. And you can feel it in the way it, how it feels slower as you're driving. Yeah, but see, again, with that being tuned for the Switch and like this one being a port, I definitely feel like there was like some like concessions that needed to be made. Yeah, I understand the rationale for it, and more power to them because it's a fun game still, and something that, the way I play it, I don't sit down and play it for hours, I sit down and play it for 15 or 20 minutes until no, I hit man. a spot where I'm stuck and walk away for a while. So Wait, No, we're on, the, we're on the same page with that, man, because uh, you are considerably better than me at those games, at least from the, the track record I've seen, 
but when I uh, I do enjoy just like sitting there and be like, okay, 15 minutes, like, what do I got? Okay, let's run through like three or four tracks. Okay, that one's a little tricky. Okay, that one's a little tough, but you know, okay, and then done. Well, it, it's it's those quick bursts because you know that once you hit a, a wall, the more you bang your head against it, you're just going to get more frustrated because you're hitting those same blocks and it, it's Good like... thing for that uh, quick reset, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, I was going to let you know, apparently Trials 1 and 2 were uh, like Flash games. That made sense to me. Right? Given what it is, the premise is simple in a way that you'd expect to be playing on a computer browser at your high school computer lab. Right, almost like like a co-op, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it just kind of makes sense. Like a... a well, getting over it, right? With Brendan, Brendan except Fondy it, or except it feels good <laughs> to play. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I didn't play those first two, so maybe it felt like garbage. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the other part I was going to let you know was that uh, the they put all of those in HD form, and that was on PS3, and I think they gave it away for PlayStation Plus way back when. But uh, apparently throughout that game, in the background, they have these little images and songs that are playing with lyrics that people had deciphered and then looked into the background of the audio and, and trans tra- did all this code breaking stuff and end up in Sweden finding treasure chests like in real life like and it end up being this whole sca- real life scavenger hunt can you imagine having the time to look into that all <laughs> it was a large group apparently i just i i read something a long time ago and that's how i knew and i i played trials hd for like ps3 yeah. And I only, again, I played it about as much as I'm going to probably play this one, and I played the last one. But I definitely, like, I kept seeing weird, sh- I'd see weird shapes, and I, like, looked up the game, and that was, like, a huge story about it. Yeah, that's nuts. I, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, from what I saw, it went, like, Sweden, you know, Helsinki, which I don't know if that is in Sweden. Maybe that's the same place. But it was, like, <laughs> all over the place. San Francisco, and, like, all, yeah, and they did. They had to find a hole in a wall that had a like a treasure chest. Ugh, it was a lot. But uh, as for anybody uh, wanting to try this out, the demo is currently live on Switch, and I believe it's going to be on PS4 and PC. I I got to check on that one, but uh, it is going live for a lot of consoles. The demo, and it's the perfect slice to really check out and see if it's up your alley. I, I think I think it gives a good example of what you can expect if you actually want to buy in on it. Trials Rising, now with loot boxes. Did, how, did you, how, how did you feel about that? Did you see them? Did you see them? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. What? <laughs> did you see the loot boxes? <laughs> oh, yes, and I ignored them <laughs> promptly. <laughs> what? You didn't open them? They have a very disappointing opening animation. Yeah, that's not a good first impression, is it? <laughs> no. I was like, come on, let's explode. Let's give some energy. Let's open some loot boxes. But I mean, at least the store is currently shut off, so it's like not something you have to engage with. So is it just cosmetics when you open those? Yeah, yeah. It was stickers and helmets and, you know, like a, a coat, cool guy coat. You know, I never paid attention on Fusion. Did they have cosmetics like that? I feel like they did. I'd have to go back and check. I mean, yeah. but again, you know, this playing this on the Switch and then being like, well, it's kind of pared down, doesn't look amazing. Still fun, but, you know... I don't. I can see myself going back to Fusion relatively soon. Right. I, I just didn't bother with that stuff on Fusion, so I, I wouldn't even know. But I feel like you have to start at least engaging kind of with the bikes. Like, you got to start switching out bikes. 
or else you're just gonna i think like i feel like they do have stay like it's one this one's heavy this one's super light for tricks and it's like i feel like if you have to swap bikes to get through some of those tracks i don't know i'm really bad at that game you know the evil thing would be if they put bikes in the loot boxes <laughs> yeah that would be really bad good, good thing these are all unlockable and good thing we have no power and hopefully ubisoft has a little better sense than that <laughs> They've. I, th- I want to say that they've they've gone that low before. So let's all just hope that they stay where they're at now. So that was uh, early adopters, and now we're going to move on to news. News that we want to discuss. Why? Eh, something that's interesting to us. Uh, first off, I want to say, uh, Joel, did you know Steam sells movies? I did. Nope, not anymore. Oh. Next news story: Darkest Dungeon Two teased. Now, I did not play this first one at all. Have you? Uh, I, I actually uh, I did play the first one quite a bit. It's a, it's a real fun and very frustrating game. You, you got to think like, uh, you know, almost like one of those, you know, a roguelike or a roguelite, however you want to do it, where you pick a party and you go into a dungeon and you fight monsters. But the, the main core mechanic of the game is that you have a torch and the torch constantly burns down. And you have very minimal slots to carry more torches and treasure. And each person you have, you have a four-person team that's a class. Each person's a class. So, you know, you'll have a knight, you'll have a healer, you'll have, you know, a rogue, you'll have an archer. And they're in a row. So you're walking in a row. And when combat starts, where you are depends on what attacks you can do. So you're managing where the characters are in the lane... As well as the torch situation, and the reason why is that certain people have different personality traits to where they do better based on the amount of light you have. And if they don't have enough light, they actually start to lose sanity. There is a sanity meter. Eternal darkness too? uh, Right? (laughs) (laughs) And so you're going through this dungeon, and if you get attacked by a monster in, in combat, your person gets hit, he also loses some sanity. So you're going through the dungeon, and there's different little you know, goals, like go through this many rooms or find this much treasure. And you're going through this dungeon, so again, there's different sections. As you, as you progress through the story, you, can, you pick different dungeons, like one's the sewers and one is this castle. It, so anyway, uh, after you finish your part of the dungeon, you go back to your camp, and you basically now deal with the actual party management, which is this guy starting, his sanity meter is almost full. And if you look in their personality traits, sometimes it'll say, like, he loves to gamble. And if you th- put him in a casino, his sanity gauge will go back down. But you can't use him for one full turn, of, one full excursion into the dungeon. Man, this is a lot. This is just a lot to keep track of. Yeah, and healing isn't, like, a big thing. Like, you, can't, you barely ever get healed. So it is just like, okay, I gotta go through and hopefully survive. So every time you get out, you're, like, limping out. And so... If you put them out for a turn, they heal. Like you can have them go pray at a church, and they will lose their. They'll get more sane. But also, some t- like when they come out, they come out different. Like they've seen some shit, and that's a whole nother layer onto the game where they actually start giving you bad traits of their personalities. <laughs> they inflict PTSD on on your party. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> if you are in there with somebody and their sanity meter fills. They get a personality trait that now they self-harm, and they will proceed to take off two HP per turn by cutting themselves. Yes, that's what happens. <laughs> well, look forward to Darkest Dungeon 2, the feel-good hit of the summer. 
Uh, Joel, it also seems like you seem to be a real, uh, you you seem to be the bringer of Nintendo news. Yeah, I'm turning out to be kind of the Nintendo file between the two of us, aren't I? But the... To be fair, that that fits the bill? Yeah, a little bit. I I guess I skew more that way than you do. And there was a lot of news this week, Mm -hmm. starting with a couple of them that really just dropped today. Uh, The Nintendo of America president, Reggie fils stepping down as president of Nintendo Reggie! Yeah, so most people probably just know him based off of memes, mm-hmm. internet jokes that go around between my body is ready and the Muppet stuff going on a couple E3s ago. Gosh, probably more than that now that I think about it. And I am aware of the memes. Yes. He's, he seems like a fun guy, right? He, he had the right public image. And something that was always striking to me is that when he was in these presentations, he had the the newscaster voice, the sort of like professional spokesperson voice that you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Like the local news kind of tenor <laughs> that you had oh, yeah. going on when you were speaking. Oh, yeah. A little bit more upbeat. Yeah, yeah. So that was just big, big news because it's a big shift because he's, he's been with Nintendo for something like 16 years. Was he always the guy? Wasn't there somebody like that left like a couple years ago that was the guy? Uh, the guy for the U.S.? No. I, no, I mean, I, like, just in general, like, the Nintendo guy. There's a, Like, lately they've been putting just, like, a guy. Like, here we go. This is the guy now. And everyone just loves that person. Well, the CEO a handful of years back was uh, Satoru Iwata. And he, that's the one. He yeah, was the guy for a while. And, and he passed away a handful of years back. So that that's why he doesn't show up anymore. <laughs> well, I, I, I did know that. I just couldn't remember, like, what his name was. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was he was the face of Nintendo a lot at the time, especially when it came to the Wii U as they were kind of struggling to keep any sort of presence. He, he was sort of the, the face of the company in a lot of ways when you saw present presentations with it. Him and Miyamoto and uh, Reggie were sort of the triforce of Nintendo PR in my mind at the time. No, I could, I could see that. And now with uh we don't have what Iwata, you said? Yeah. And then and now uh Reggie gone. Right. Uh they replace him? Yeah. They they replaced him and the, his replacement's last name is Bowser, naturally. Um Mr. Bowser. Yes, Mr. Bowser. Got, got lots of kids. Koopalings, if you will. I won't. <laughs> so, so the guy's actual name is Bowser. Yeah. Yeah. And just just like any other opportunity, Twitter's been abuzz with lots of easy, cheap jokes about it, like we just did. Yes, I could. You know, it's it's too good. It's too good. <laughs> like right, like I mean, that's like again, it's you're it's a that's a t-ball setup. Well, that that's just a weird turn of fate, really, more than anything. I mean, where is the image? Like, get some fan art going of him with the princess slung over his shoulder. And in the what was it the clown, that clown helicopter thing? Yeah, throwing yeah, those mechanical one. Bowsers. Give me one of those. Hey, hey, that's a good. That, that's some good. Fan, that fan art draws itself. Him as Bowser, and then Bowser Junior with a smaller version of his face on. Ooh, that'd be really good. Also, we don't even need to make the fan art. We could just Photoshop his face onto Bowser's face in any scenario. Well, we can't, but hopefully somebody does. Yeah, well, it, it's inevitable. It's inevitable, really. I feel like we can get some real good meme stock here. Yeah, just stay tuned to the internet. It'll happen. If it happened with Reggie, it'll happen with him too. 
Oh, Bowser's the uh, Bowser's story. Bowser's right? in, Bowser's inside story is that? Yeah. Man, see, we I, again. I'm just like laying them up, can, man. Can can we avoid that inside story, please? <laughs> Was it bad? No, no. I'm just talking about. I don't want to be in Nintendo of America President Mr. Bowser's inside story. It's Mario time. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand what that means. <laughs> I think again. I I, I kind of want to make an episode, or at least a l- another side segment on that one. I think Aw- that'll be good. Awful explainers. Is that what you're going for? Yeah, yeah. I think that'll be good. All right. Uh, what's so, up next? What is so? Since uh, we're still on the Nintendo news, mm-hmm. just another one that broke out here today was that apparently it's being rumored that Microsoft is bringing Xbox Game Pass to the Switch. That's what I was gonna say. That's a my mind. What I heard that, and I I I had a little mini like lightning storm in my brain like a stroke and it's like freaked out for a second only because like that means a lot it's it's really hard to conceive i think we're in the upside down when it comes to uh logical progression of what you expect out of the situation and i'm guessing it's really hinged on how microsoft is sort of the the third rung between all of them you know Mm-hmm. And you've heard rumors about how they're trying to expand the Xbox brand beyond just their boxes. And was it Phil Spencer? Is that the guy's name? That's the head of Xbox? Yes. I know he talked at Giant Bomb at some point about how their strategy is to go to the streaming side of things and have a sense of play anywhere. So I, I guess it makes sense from that strategy. I just didn't expect a cross-platform jump like that. It's I, I, I'm just I'm pulling up our conversation, and I just want to have this little mini freakout publicly recorded. So, if this is something that, that Phil Spencer, if he went this route, then to me that is, it, it just that's Sega and Nintendo ganging up, you know, on PlayStation. That's that's you go to your enemy and say, hey, that guy, you don't like that guy either. Let's just decimate them. And that's like I think that's I feel like that's unprecedented. Like, we haven't had two sides say, hey, guys, let's shake hands. Fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Usually it's just the the third place bronze trophy either having to wait it out till next go or go the route of Sado where you just have to bow out because it, you've had your chance enough times and haven't been able to figure it out yet, you know? We're in a weird place right now, apparently, when it comes to this stuff. And you hear rumors, too, about google maybe considering entering the market and they do have that conference at gdc and i've heard stuff about even apple at some points too and it's just i feel like we're at an inflection point once they get the streaming stuff down i feel like the whole game is going to change in a really crazy way i actually just read that um because uh they had done uh last year they actually had done a test for their straight streaming out of browser software where people could sign up for this beta test and they would open their browser go to this web url and they would then have assassin's creed odyssey and it was fluid it was smooth and it was browser-based streaming from an xbox or not an xbox direct but you know their 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 servers they were had such fluid streaming capacity that they were going straight from their servers to a web browser and having those hd graphics and had 30 frames a second and uh, I, but what the reason why I brought that up is because I just read that people are starting to say thank you for it. They're getting Assassin's Creed Odyssey like like a code for PC mailed to them or like emailed to them. Yeah, they're really priming the pump for this in a lot of different 
places. I, I wonder. I wonder if we're ready from a internet infrastructure standpoint because just the limitations of things like data caps and broadband speeds being maybe a limiting factor depending on where you're living. But if they can, yeah, no if they can, if they can nail the actual functionality of a consistent connection keeping the gameplay running while you're playing it then what's the point of maybe owning the second or third console and instead having the option to download the app on your computer or on your first console of choice if it goes that path and the other thing about this news that strikes me is that like this super bones sony like hard because if you think about it they're already getting hit pretty hard with their anti-crossplay and their policy of, you know, again, not um, that people don't want backwards compatibility, uh, that indies are no longer of use. Like, we don't care about indies. I mean, indies will always be there because indies need a place to be. But Sony's not courting them like they used to. So at this point, Sony's kind of burned, burned bridges and kind of put themselves in a bad spot for now these two teams to team up. Sony has this ebb and flow each cycle, it seems like, where they're smug one cycle, humble the next because they've been beaten down for their smugness, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, you think back to PlayStation 3 where they went their own route with their infrastructure about how the PS3's processor was and the kind of idea that, well, you're going to pay up $600 for a brand new console and yeah. and then after suffering a life cycle there where they were uh, second run they figured out with the PlayStation 4 at the starting gate and you've seen them sort of slide back into that we're in first place we're carrying it with what we have and we don't really need to do too much unless there's enough pressure to change and it's it's kind of frustrating frankly as someone who likes a lot of their games but you, you can't deny that they're they're seemingly kind of complacent or at least they're quiet with what their plans are yeah so i mean again maybe they got something that'll that'll you know knock it out of the park but this is a real tough spot uh the other part of my rant that i was i was freaking out about was that the, like well this makes microsoft a publisher and less of like a hardware. Which, if you think about it, though, that like if they're not making that much money off of Xboxes, they got to make money somewhere, and that's a way to go. Well, let's start making games, right? Let, let's let's think about this for a second. So we're talking about an app, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be an app on the Switch, and yes. it's going to have the Xbox Game Pass library, presumably. That that's that's the thought process. Yes. And, and currently, you are downloading the software on your box it's running on the machine it's not being cloud streamed or anything like that so th this must be a, a cloud-based solution just based on the limitations of the switch yeah. or yes. or maybe maybe they'll have it divided up by if it's an indie title you can download it you direct or something like that right like and it'll for, these are the switch libraries yeah and it'll be valid as long as you've got the game pass paid for and as long as that game's available yeah, you just got to ping a server every month or something like that, right? Or if you want to play a crackdown on your Switch, then you have to have a stable internet connection where you're able to stream it from... I was I was actually going to say the opposite. I was going to make a diss on Crackdown and say, if you want to play Crackdown on Crackdown 3 on the Switch, it's probably graphically fine. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> you put me in an odd spot to defend Crackdown. <laughs> 
so no, I just I just think that's like a it's a big deal that, it's, that the technology might be there. It's also a big deal that again Microsoft shifting to be almost like a Sega, right? Just being like, okay, well, gotta pivot to make some money. Right. Did you know about some of the streaming stuff that's happened with the Switch so far in Japan? Uh, I what was it? The Resident Evil Four. It was Was Resident Evil 7, actually, I think. Oh, 7. Yeah. Okay. It was Resident Evil 7. It was offered on Switch, only streaming, and I think you technically rented it for, like, 20 bucks. I wonder how that went, though. Like, how did it play? We we should look into the reports on that, see if it actually was any good. From what I heard, I I thought I heard it ran competently, but it's also a different region, so I I don't know how Japan's infrastructure is internet-wise or what the expectations are from the consumers there. If if it has a couple hitches, they're not going to maybe care. Yeah, you know, that's not a... You're not wrong. Yeah, it's just that clearly someone's figured out how to make some of this work in a fashion. And, And maybe it's just that domestically here in the United States, Microsoft might be the one that's willing to fill that void here, whereas Capcom was their partner there. I'm not sure. Well, you also got to think, though, right, like that, um, that again, people have been kind of like trying to get this this up and running. And then there's been these rumors that that there's going to be an Xbox SKU coming out that is going to be only streaming. So, I mean, again, people have been threatening this for a while now. Like, oh, hey, all games are going to go digital, but maybe we're here, which is kind of a scary thought, but also kind of cool. But also, I think um, I think Microsoft is the one company out of the three that I'd feel okay with it, <laughs> to be honest, just because they're not usually my normal wheelhouse of what I play. I'd, I'd probably be a little sadder if Sony and Nintendo went that route. I will also say, though, being in IT, Windows is awful. <laughs> that's, that's inside baseball. Windows is awful. Being in business, mm-hmm. Windows is unavoidable. Yeah, that's also very true. <laughs> oh, okay. so the other, the last thing I was, I wanted to say was that um, let's just fan out on this one little piece here, and let's go through it. How many, how many games, how many games does that open up? Like that's a long, large, fantastic list. The right, the Game Pass rumors. Yeah, well, I mean, like if you bring Game Pass over. Like, how many games does that give you any kind of possibility? Like, I could play Skate 3. I can play Skate 3. That's like You know I love Skate 3. Yeah. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it really depends on what happens next, I think. Because if you look at Microsoft's offerings between the Xbox and the PC for Game Pass, th- there's a big disparity between how many games are offered. What it, I'm saying is that if I can get... The Halo series like streaming, I've never played those games and I've always wanted to. I think you will see a backlog blog with Halo 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, I'm with you there. There are enough titles on Microsoft that I've not touched or not been inclined to seek out that if they were readily available whenever. Hey, I hear Gears of War are a fun series. Yeah, especially if we could figure out co-op for it. That, that'd probably be ideal, wouldn't it? Yeah, see, you know, like again, just just the idea that like this this is a pullover, and then also at the same time, you can even go further, like one step outside of even Xbox, and say what games that are on the Game Pass, not so much that are Xbox exclusive, just not Nintendo. Right. So think about it. I think they put all the like they put the all the Ezio collection right of uh, the Assassin's Creed games. Yes, I mean, I I'd, I'd play that. I'd play that at home. Like on my Switch, and just be like, all right, well, I'm done with that game. 
I paid how much for Game Pass. So, so these rumors specifically, they touched upon the idea that maybe something like Ori and the Blind Forest would find its way to Switch. But, and see, they, they were, they were talking well. specifically about indie titles, I think, to start with. Yeah. But I mean, like, I read that as well. And the thing is, was that what they were talking about more was that they were actually going to port Ori. They were going to port Ori. And Game Pass would be other, I, I, I think, other games. But part of the deal was that they would port Ori in the Blind Forest directly to the Switch, and they would be the publisher for it so that they would get portions of the, portions of the sale. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, I think it's probably also a possibility it would be included with a subscription to that. but Which would be awesome. Right. And Ori's a, Ori's a really solid game. I like that one a lot. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite games of the year that I played it. Anyway... Let's move on to the one last thing we've got. This could be another fun one to sort of speculate about. Hit me. Apparently, Nintendo is rumored to be planning to revive a dead and buried game fairly soon. That was that was actually, uh, I believe, on Kind of Funny Games. Uh, they had a like a guest host on there, and he had made reference to that they were getting ready to do that. And he uh, he was from a I can't remember where he was from I believe I don't it was uh, and he was a journalist though and he had mentioned that he had been hearing rumors about that. So my obvious wish is F Zero, which is not mm-hmm. going to happen. I've, I've I've come to terms F-Zero with that. Dead. It's dead. It's I've, dead. I visited its grave. I'm, I'm sorry, Joel. It's dead. I I tried to ask him to show me his moves and he he just sat there. <laughs> that's pretty good but i i also know that there was some rumbling about Stalebound, which is that once xbox exclusive title that platinum games was working on with them yeah that was one of the they came out swinging with xbox one and then like they canceled a bunch of them and it oddly makes a lot of sense given their relationship with nintendo apparently right now and also when you consider that platinum as well seems to have pretty tighten it with nintendo yeah the the one thing that worried me about that whole thing was that they actually just lost like their main director yeah i saw that too i'm it's hard to parse out whether or not that actually affects anything yeah i i don't again it it all depends on like right like one of the directors but i mean there are other people who are working towards that goal and in directing the stories of different different games so and you know platinum games has made a lot of great games but they've made one or two bad ones as well so in the in the name of giving up our hopes, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, of what we'd like, can you think of any other dead Nintendo franchises you'd like to see come back? Okay, well, let's think here. What is a Nintendo franchise that's that's dead? Um, so I don't I don't care about this one, but Earthbound seems like a pretty obvious starting one. That's the funny thing about Earthbound: the fans want and Nintendo hates. It it seems like every time the fans are like, they just get their hopes up and they get excited. Nintendo goes, "Why would we do that?" No, no one wants Earthbound, and the fans always cry. But you know, I've 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 never played an Earthbound. I'm a big you know turn-based RPG guy. I think I would like Earthbound. I've played undertale which was the spiritual successor but i don't know i i could i could see that but i i just i feel like nintendo would just it's lucy with the football to charlie brown right in a similar vein something like super mario rpg and and although nintendo and square enix seem to have a good working relationship right now too especially final fantasy 15 
Right, between, well, between that and Octopath Traveler, which seemed to do really good for him. Mm, that's true, yeah. That, that's something to consider, too, but I, I don't really know if I see something like that kind of deep cut coming through. Now, what we need is some Excitebike. Or uh, Uniracers. But Excitebike isn't dead. <laughs> Was there another Excitebike? Well, they were sort of ports or kind of also rans to the nes one that they released oh, okay. between the last couple there was one on the wii i think and there was one on the wii u as well if i'm not mistaken you know i don't know why they can't just make their own version of trials fusion and call it excite bike just like make it more of a circular track but like still have a lot of the physics based but again that's neither here nor there special trials dlc for nintendo switch excite bike visually yes bike there we, there we go see we're getting there you put some pixels on there everyone loves pixels um okay let's see what uh what what is a dead nintendo franchise here let me let me drop one more here mm-hmm. so a while back there were rumors about capcom working on a Mega man legends 3 okay and that got scrapped pretty vocally and ceremoniously i think at okay. the time that the director of Mega man bowed out of capcom okay i, I, I like that I mean, that that seems high-profile enough to be relevant if the rumor's true, right? Yeah. Because the, the, the part of the rumor was that it was something that was very vocally mentioned that it was no longer being worked on. See, and, like, uh, like again, I, 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 could, I could definitely see that being something that would be... I, I could see it being worthwhile. I could see fans clamoring for something like that. Yeah, but I, I think probably Stalebound's the most likely one. Yeah. Uh, I say we remake Quest 64. That was an awful game. Let's make a good one. That was a game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to do a backlog blog? Let's do it. All right. Now we're going to dive into Backlog Blog. Uh, I'm just going to write down the time here. Oh, look at that. One hour. We did it, Joel. We did it. So, Backlog Blog, I wanted, I really want to get into this. How about some Final Fantasy IX news? Talk to me about that. What if I told you that you were a monkey boy? Mm-hmm. Stealing a princess. I'm in. Grabbing ass. Neither here nor there. Continue. But she wanted it? <laughs> You're, I feel like you're putting your own little spin on this game. <laughs> so, so I feel like you're hearing t- what you t- want to hear. Taking a little liberty with it. <laughs> Final Fantasy IX is a title in, in the series that I, I never really had too much time with growing up. It came, okay. it came out around the time that I was probably in middle school, early high school. Mm-hmm. And my, my association with the series was basically going to a neighbor's house on a snowy day and watching him play it so it seemed like a good opportunity given how much i liked playing things on switch and that it came out with the last nintendo direct to go ahead and give it a shot yeah and let me say i I love the world i I love the sort of high fantasy throwback that it went for i like the beautiful world the more classic class system that they're kind of working within because each of the characters are sort of different 
classes. You got to have them wizards and thieves. You, you got the thieves. You got the wizard. You've got the white mage. You've got the the knight. Uh, and you got the dragoon. Yep. Uh, I just got to a point where I think it's a red mage, which is one yes. I haven't seen in a while. So that was a a big plus for me. The little girl. Yes. Let me also say, reading this stuff sounds like something that I would have written in middle school. You mean their dialogue the, or story? Dialogue. The sto- the story. Yeah. I think the story arc of it so far is fine. It, it's interesting. The the questions they're posing about what's happening in the world between the two nations or or larger cities that they have contrasted yeah. between each other right now. Because I just got to the point where you get to Lindbloom. Yes. So they're setting up this the first nation sort of quietly prepping for war and then questions about the nature of Vivi's existence uh, yeah. sort of hanging in the background is a really cool existentialism sort of theme to be working on. But I, I just find the dialogue insufferable. And the big, the big thing I think is that, and I don't have a good point of reference for seven or eight because it's been too long, but they do a lot of telling with people's intentions of mm-hmm. what they want to do instead of showing. And it's something that I've noticed more and more as I've consumed more media when it happens. And I would have really preferred to see the speech feel more natural between these characters and have things play out in events rather than them jumping to different characters at different points and them basically speaking what their inner dialogue is in a way that's kind of kind of jarring to me, to be honest. Yeah, uh, especially like um, what I remember, it was um, I, those wizards are are the ex- the interstitials, right? Those the like those two wizards kind of coming through when they speak reverse. So one I have person will say one sentence, the other person will rearrange the words in that sentence. Oh, those two. So I mean that that didn't even bother me too much. I just figured they're they're a weird Tweedledee and Tweedledum kind of situation. Except one but of them. They're like the the interstitials, though. They're kind of like okay, we're gonna trans transfer from one part of the story to another. Here's a little mini bit with these like jester guys. Yeah, I guess it's not even that that bothered me too much. And, and maybe it's because I see so little of them that it's inoffensive to me. It, it's more it's more Zidane probably is my biggest pain point with it. Because mm-hmm. I understand that a couple of them are 16 years old or roughly that age. So you, yeah. you have plausible deniability about, well, of course he's immature because he's just a teenager. And you probably mm-hmm. sounded that stupid when you were 16. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, but there's also like some some weird kind of... So when you're on the ship heading towards Lindblom and one of the Black Waltzes arrive, which yes. are these boss black mages that are basically created to kill all your party members and take back the princess. They're hunting you down. Right, and there's this sequence where all these sort of puppet black mages you encounter and Vivi's trying to get to respond to him and are ignoring him. When the time arrives for the black waltz to threaten to kill them all, these black mage puppets come out to their fence sort of trying to tease the idea that they have some sort of free free will or consciousness of their own and and they're acting on it in a way to protect vv the one that showed them some kind of human attention and then this black waltz just obliterates them 
just just, just <laughs> completely and, and there's this pretty decent fmv scene of showing it and vivi's eyes lighting up and after all this after they survive the battle and escape the black waltz zidane's response is cheer up hey looked at the skyline it's real pretty over there yeah and it's it just it i understand it's probably a product of its time but it seems really jarring number one and, and number two you just think zidane you shithead I mean, the last thing he probably cares about is being told to cheer up <laughs> as he's dealing with this <laughs> existential crisis. Um, I just I looked into it a little bit, and it, as it turns out, uh, when it came to Steam, it was actually a port of the mobile version, uh, including apparently when you're on the Switch version, you try to put in someone's name, it actually says no emojis. <laughs> so um, apparently that is actually a different translation than the original. From my understanding, it actually is a a lesser translated version. Like the translation is worse. If I could have put Zidane Sadface as his name, I probably would have. Yep. Poo emoji. You know, they, <laughs> if if you can put it in a web address, uh-huh. why can't we put it as a name for Zidane? <laughs> you can put poo. Uh, you can put something like Google emoji, and it is a it can, technically a website now. I'll work on the change.org petition right. and get that in the works super gg radio dot poo emoji <laughs> let's get that let's get that bought up man that's gonna that's gonna be hot man that's gonna be the next hotness we gotta get that url now we got the twitter we got the twitch we got the gmail we need the poo emoji all right Those, that's that's the list of priorities before we even launch episode one yep right yep 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 we gotta get it all ahead of time so all, all that aside we haven't even touched on the battle system it it sort of works like the other battle systems have worked in the past except the the abilities are sort of based on the costumes or outfits you're wearing they provide you different perks or abilities and each character has their different class abilities they've got a uh, limit breaker thing that you got a meter that fills up over time and then once the meter pops you glow a, a nice shade of pink or purple usually and become more powerful I would wish that maybe you had more choice on when you could pop the meter. Yeah, you really gotta like fit. Like, does it happen automatically? I thought for some reason you could you could attack, but you can also just like use magic or something to avoid it. So far, I have not noticed a way to avoid it. And maybe maybe you're right. Maybe if you just choose to defend or not utilize certain abilities, then maybe they give you the grace to not have to use it. I have probably not just paid attention enough while playing to really notice but all in all i'm in spite of those things i'm gonna keep playing through it i'm probably gonna try to see it through the to the end just to get to the more meat of what's happening in the larger world give these some of these characters a chance to grow and develop i i have low expectations for some and see what the the crazy end game twist is going to be the the chef and the silent dude are pretty disappointing I believe actually the knight is kind of the knight. They give him a little bit of, they give him more motivation later on. But for the most part, the knight is the knight. Everybody else gets filled out really nicely. And also it doesn't, it has a twist like all the Final Fantasies. It just doesn't have that kind of twist that really like, oh my god, now it's time travel and now we have to fight God. It's never, it never goes that extreme to where like, oh, you're fighting angels now. It's like, no, it stays relatively grounded in a, I mean, it does go a little sci-fi, but you know, it's you know, it's the Final Fantasy. You gotta have something. Sure. But, yeah, no, I actually, I I really enjoyed that story as being one of the more realistic ones. 
yeah, so I'll maybe we can touch upon it at a different time, but that, that's all I really have to say about it for now. Awesome. Joel, let me tell you about jazz punk. Please do. I, I actually don't know much about this. All right, so jazz punk I've kind of had in my backlog for a long time only because I've heard so many good things about jazz punk. It is, it is the video game version of an Adult Swim cartoon. Oh. <laughs> you so are, there's a talking milkshake and uh, fries? You, you might as well. I, <laughs> your character looks like the symbol on a classic bathroom sign for a man, and that's how all of the characters look. So you'll see that, that symbol of a man, and you'll also see those symbols of a woman. You know, just like the look, like the skirt, and the little stick legs. Mm-hmm. And you don't really, like, move. You're just, that's how you, that's your, and it's first person, but you see everybody else. And they have, like, a mustache or a coat on, but that's basically it. And they talk in, you know, weird womp, womp, womp. But it'll be instance. You'll, you walk into, you go to this office. It's in a train. You walk into this train. And the, the, your your boss is there, and he goes, "You are a secret spy. I need you to go and break into the the German consulate." And he goes, "But now I have to go into the wine cellar." And you see him step down the stairs behind his desk, which you know that's a good joke, right? Like you you know the fake going down the stairs. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But of course, you go up and you turn around the corner. He is drunk in a pile of bottles of wine underneath his desk. <laughs> okay, I'm like, okay. And the way you start the mission, you take a pill and then you're in a park and now you got to find a way to go into the break into the german consulate but it's it's a small map so you there's a lot of things to explore it, you can you can complete this the first mission this is the first mission you can essentially complete in about 10 minutes but if you go and go up the street walk into the movie you sit down in a seat it automatically puts you in the seat and you see your hand which looks like a ren and stimpy character hand smoking a cigar Mm-hmm. And on the screen in the movie theater, and this is other patrons in the crowd, look like you, and you see on the screen, it's a black and white 1920s commercial with a jingle for something I think, believe was called the Sling Ring, and there's a whole song, and it's basically a beanie that you put on that has what looks to be something that's like a hula hoop, and you just whip your head around with a hula hoop on it, and there's this cute jingle, it's the Sling Ring, you know, it's a whole silly thing, and the only thing you can do to get out of that scenario that you put yourself in is to smoke your cigar enough that people kick you out so so you're talking about going to this theater yep. everything feels like a ren and stimpy cartoon including yep. some sort of analogous choice for the log which and then you have that, to piss people that, um, off enough to kick you out to get out and that the, the screen where that commercial is playing is live action <laughs> yeah and, so it, and you just keep putting yourself in these scenarios where, like, again, the map, go to the consulate, find a way to break in. Cool. Otherwise, hey, go and you like you can examine stuff and use a button and it gives you some text prompt. You go up to the garbage and it says, congratulations, you are the 14,732nd person to examine this garbage bag. Do you know if that's a real count or is it just a number that they pulled out of a hat? I'd have to play that mission again and find out. But it was, again, it's just like you keep, you interact with these things and then like something will happen and then it just random like chaos. It's just like, oh, okay. Why? Don't know. Or uh, wait, I found a frog. Frog says, I lost my, I lost my chip. And it's in the street. And says, will you help him? Yes. Now you're playing top down Frogger. You get the chip, you come back and he says, great. Thank you. Now I can play my VR game. Go away now. And then he puts on goggles, and right next to him is a TV, so you can see what he's VRing, and it's pictures of frogs. He's having himself some alone time. (laughs) 
but this again, I'm just wait, wait, hold on, hold on, just before we we can't walk away from that VR fraud erotica. That that's what we're talking about. That's that's exactly what we're talking about. (laughs) So you know, and you can the game is relatively short. You can beat it in I think like three hours, but just each and it's a very small map, very small. You can walk around it in a minute, but just to be able to poke and prod and find these situations it's it's just a it's it's really weird it's something there's something weird there so that I, I really enjoy so the way you're describing it kind of sounds like a point and click adventure game yes because a lot of the times so to go to break into the consulate is easy but when a guy says take this item and bring it to this person and then that person says bring this item somewhere else and it becomes like an adventure game where you're like okay do i use this item on this do i use this item on this and they all have relatively unique transactions so it's like if i throw a coin at somebody they're gonna react in a weird way but not exactly the way to finish the quest right it's it's kind of cool to play around yeah that i mean that sounds exactly like what i'm thinking about when i think of those older style games where you they give you a lot of room to test out and try actions and then you have to sort of through trial and error figure out what works there exactly and then it just it's just so interesting how the world is constantly just filled out with things that just it's not it's surprising that it does it but it's not out of the ordinary that it does so like if you there's newspapers around you click on the newspapers to read them it does the batman and it spins the newspaper and then the top article is completely nothing it'll, it'll say like uh newspaper headline writer fired it's like oh okay i, I mean that's a that's a okay that's a good joke but why did i need to pick that up and why did it do it but if i click on it again it's going to do it again that and then okay hmm so it's it's just kind of like they put these things in there, but they don't really give you any reason why. They just like, okay, this is this is cool. Yeah, I agree, jazz punk. <laughs> I agree. That sounds like a trip. I'm not sure if it's something I'd really want to dive into, but I, it sounds like an experience. I just kind of feel like I'm like I can engage with this for like two, three hours, and then be like, okay, I've had my fill. Uh, not even that. It's just because it, it, again, with it being really short, it, it doesn't feel like it overstays its welcome so by the end of it you're just like oh cool that was that was something weird and kooky and i don't think i've seen anything like that yet so i'm pretty happy that i experienced it yeah cool cool uh the next is uh, man you you really a glutton for punishment on this one you were playing cuphead yes part of what i did when i subscribed to the xbox game pass was to revisit something i actually bought at launch but really only i really only dumped about an hour into it when i first got it Cuphead, everybody knows by now, is a tough-as-hell 2D boss rush. I mean, feel-wise, I, I, it probably shares a lot of DNA with something like Contra. You're using your shooter to try to deflect things away from you while focusing damage on enemies. It, it becomes... I, I, I always try to show people that game and just to show the aesthetic of it. Yes. Because that's the first thing that hits me, is that, that aesthetic of being a Steamboat Willie very like monochrome not a whole lot of color very faded stop motion cartoon but but it's dark oh. the the tone is dark of it oh, like yeah. a lot of those older disney cartoons in in that time i mean they they nail the aesthetic of it perfectly yeah I mean, you're fight you're at what point you're fighting a lit cigarette yes <laughs> like that is that is so that time frame oh yeah i that mean is ex- you think about back as recently as stuff like Tom and Jerry, were, were they doing things like showing people smoking cigarettes, getting drunk, mm-hmm. uh, being pretty inappropriate 
in general. So. And mm-hmm. it, it lends itself really well to that style and tone to produce a pretty great overall package. And just the the bosses are tough in a way that are punishing, but I feel like it's my fault when I screw up and die. Because yes, and that's that's kind of a silly thing to say because when you're playing it, really, it's it's about memorizing the enemy's pattern, and you're not going to get it the first time because you haven't learned the pattern yet, and so it's it's very much a trial and error, rinse, die, repeat situation. But it's so quick to jump back in and try again that you, it's got a it's got a quick restart exactly and and that's important for something like this where you can't have too much idle time to sort of let things atrophy or dwell on things and just do the next run and just try to remember okay for this these two frogs they're going to start rolling one to the side and then they're going to be bouncing off projectiles from both ends here you're going to have to dodge them and just things that you learn and over and trial and error shift, and they shift to different phases that you have to then memorize okay now in this phase he's gonna go up this person's gonna go down it's like and okay then i gotta jump over here and avoid this right it just becomes a really good like you're just practicing you're just practicing okay this is gonna be it okay gotta practice and figure out that next phase to get into the third phase and if there is a fourth y- yes so when you're approaching a level there's sort of two sequences where you're going through one is you learning the different sections of the boss to understand what the progression is that you need to rem- remember and then once you've mm-hmm. got the pattern down actually performing it and completing it and it, it, it becomes like a again a very tricky again like you said contra-esque where it's just okay now jump over this guy slide under this guy move over here he'll go to the left you know in okay that do it again let's make sure this time I'm a little faster and it's a good it's a good test of skill it's a good skill check every time i just yeah that's just it bets the, you hit the head on the wall you know you're just hitting your head on the wall yeah kind of like trials but in a different way I, i'm probably going to just come back to and revisit every once in a while dump maybe 30 minutes on a given day try to clear a level or two move on from it and then come back later i'd like to i'd like to beat it i feel like that would be that's going to be a goal at some point it's like okay i'm sitting down gonna beat this game (laughs) Uh, i've actually played a lot of co-op it actually gets really really even more hectic i'm not surprised by that You, you think about all that's happening on screen and then you complicate that with having to keep track of which one of you is Cuphead and which one of you is Mudman. And then also one of the like I always like the homing the homing gun even though it does less damage. Um, but the thing is though is that it kind of just goes in that direction you know all over the place. And so if you're shooting and I'm shooting and we both have homing and that that boss is moving up and down. You just start you're just and they're of course shooting stuff at you. They're shooting bullets and pedals and whatever at you. And then you have your bullets just constantly intermingling and homing and moving around the stage. It's it, it's a it's a real big mess. Did you ever hear about hardcore mode? No, I didn't. It's completely black and white. That sounds awesome to look at. I don't think I'd want to play it for very long though, you know. Well, if you think about it though, like you're the one of the mechanics is that anything that's pink you can double jump on yep and when you hit the double jump it uh it gives you more attack go uh, more of a special attack so but i mean the, it, if you can't tell what the pink things are you don't get that as a bonus possible possible thing right yeah i i don't think i'm ready for hardcore mode <laughs> <laughs> i also am told that they have different phases like like extra phases in some of the, like those if you put it like like really crank up the difficulty 
Yeah, well, you you let me know how that goes, and I'll, I'll look I, forward I to your impressions. Yeah, I just got to. I, I would like to beat it one day. I, I will say that. The last thing I wanted to throw up for the backlog blog was Darkest Dungeon, which uh, we did discuss for the most part. But I was actually wanted to to let you know even more about this dark, dark game. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. They have it on Switch, and uh, I do like it on Switch. It's got some actual touch screen. Uh, capabilities only because you have so much you're managing on screen at any given time, dragging and dropping your team players, who you want to be on the team, who do you want to put into the brothel, who do you want to put into the casino, who do you want to put into the bar and you know, and then again you also have to there's so many stats that when you played it on PC you would just mouse your you would put your mouse over it yeah, and it would give you bonus info and so now it's like okay I gotta attach the screen and hold it and then the bonus info appear so again, like I was kind of hoping, like, oh, this would be just like FTL, and it is. Just I also like FTL. It is cruel and punishing and depressing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the touchscreen controls work all right. It, it's not bad. It's not bad. I won't. I won't say that like this is the best way to play this game. I will say it's pretty good, especially considering that like uh, when you go into a session, you really only want to do a run or two. Sure. Because then you're gonna start seeing like, oh yeah, now oh my tank's almost dead and he's uh, insane now and he is not allowed in the bar because he's an alcoholic. So it's like, oh this this run is really going bad. So <laughs> so it's like, okay, let's start a new run. Let's do it again. Sure, sure. Yeah. The the one thing that is a big highlight for those games though is the narrator. He's just got a grizzled, grizzled voice and. Uh, and they got him back for the sequel. But it, whenever you're playing, he's actually narrating even combat experiences. So as you're going through the dungeon and you light up a torch, like light up a torch, he's just like, the light brings us, you know, brings us calm. And it's like, okay, cool. Like it, He just does that throughout the entire game. You know, you, you really can't undervalue a good narrator. Bastion, man. Bastion. One of my favorites. Bastion, in, in a different way, Pyre. Pyre, Pyre has yes, a quality Pyre. narrator. It's not that deep, but it's more of that kind of regal voice. Isn't that the same? I think it's the same studio, too. Hmm. P- uh, Pyre and Bastion. Yes. Yes. At the Super Giant. Uh, Darkest. Is that the- yes. Yeah. Darkest Dungeon, though. Very, very solid. Really solid. I, I would I would suggest that for anybody on either Switch or PC. So, And I believe it's on sale because of uh, the announcement teaser of Darkest Dungeon 2. So I believe it's on sale on Steam. Uh, which thus actually brings us to the next one. You want to do deals of the day? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you go ahead and lead this one. So mine's nice and quick. On the website Fanatical, you can get three different Batman games. Batman Arkham Asylum Game of the Year, Arkham City Game of the Year, and Arkham Knight for $10. And I can guarantee to you at least one of those games are very high quality. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I I will I will I will defend two and a half of those. I will defend two and a half of those because well, Arkham City is a great game and Arkham Knight is a solid B minus. Solid B minus. Imagine you take out. Imagine you take Arkham C- Asylum and then you remove the best part, which is a tightly knit, linear, narratively driven game, and then you with just explode and you explode it with an useless open world. That that's what you're looking at with Arkham City. I cannot speak is it? I cannot speak to Arkham Knight, but I can tell you what Arkham City is. Didn't you just tell me that your one of your favorite things about open world games is how you travel? 
Spider-Man took a lot of that stuff from Batman. Yeah, except there's actual speed and weight and fluidity to Spider-Man. I thought that there was... Batman's a heavy dude. He was moving. He was hustling. Yeah, and he still he moves like ass. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'll agree to disagree. But I can tell you, $10 is a good price considering I just bought the Arkham Collection, which is just Asylum and City for 20 bucks. And, you know, a little sad, though. They really, they really want to differentiate and say, like, hey, we're not Arkham Origins. We're, we're not them, so no. That that's what Which, that's what Arkham Knight was was uh, Batman retcon, it's essentially. And like there was a lot of there was a lot of like I liked Arkham Origins. I, I Origins I personally did, but like number one, the villains weren't great. Uh, the villain battles were great. The like the way the fight was, but those characters were not interesting or like lesser known, so no one really cared. But then the secondary part was that. In Arkham Asylum, he starts with a very basic costume and then armors up. And throughout each game, there's a progression of armoring up. Each new uniform is basically Iron Man's suit. Mm-hmm. But in Arkham Origins, which was a prequel of when he first met the Joker, he's per- he's armored up. So to me, that was like, okay, well, I don't put him in the old suit. It's fine. <laughs> don't don't make it all that. I mean, really, my favorite part of any of those were how they got the voice actors from the old animated series for Batman and the Joker to come in oh, and yeah. do voiceover work. It was quality. What what I actually really liked was all of the DLC because they threw in, you know, like, you know, an hour or two of like a side mission with Robin or Catwoman or, you know, what all these the side characters. But I also liked that they had half the time a dozen of different bat outfits that you can, you know, you buy with money. But I, you know what? I they had Adam West Batman, and he looked like he had been he had let himself go. Do you, Do you know what game lets you get new costumes without paying money? What's that? Spider Man. <laughs> I know. I'm playing that now, and I look like the Tobey Maguire basketball face. <laughs> well, I think we've. Uh, talk enough about one third of a good series. Let's let's move on to yours. Uh, mine was I was gonna say I saw As- Assassin's Creed Odyssey on Amazon for twenty dollars, PS4 and Xbox. Uh, this is actually the newer uh, like Assassin's Creed series where they've been going more of uh, an RPG, you know, kind of uh, theme there where it's actually like more stat based and gear based. Like gear has color now; you can get rare gear and ra- and you know epic gear that started with origins the one that came out a year or so ago oh yeah that was it was origins and then this is the second one in that kind of series i see though yeah i'm pretty sure i don't think syndicate was that way so i think it was origins and odyssey now but odyssey is actually like came out last year and it's already down to 20 bucks i think that's pretty good i think it's the the lowest it's been so far historically yeah at the very least for 20 dollars it'd be hard to feel like you had buyer's remorse yeah all right, so uh, we're going to move on from this, and we're actually going to go on to video game facts. Uh, just just throwing out a couple of uh, fun little interstitials that we have found that are just relatively interesting, that we found interesting. So uh, you had this week's, Joel? Apparently, the United States government did some borrowing from Nintendo. Oh, I was, I was going to say they're borrowing from the tax people. That seems normal. No, no. The EPA developed a Flash game to highlight the importance of recycling mm-hmm. and produced a game called Recycle City Challenge. Reuse, reduce, recycle. And in that spirit, they reused the Yoshi's Island Underground theme as the background music for their game. Was Now, I, I, 
uh, obviously they used it. Did Nintendo ever find out about this? I don't. I always wonder. I don't believe so. Or at the very it's least, a, maybe they don't care. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's relatively interesting though. I never would have. Uh, I never would have thought that like the government would be like, well, you know, what? just throw it in there. I I think if there's anything we should have learned by now that there's plenty of opportunity for parts of the government to take a shortcut or do something and think that nobody's watching. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, I was actually, I didn't have, like, you know, uh, we were going to throw one video game fact in, but I did just want to say those frogs in Cuphead based off Ryu and Ken. You know, I yep. did hear that at some point. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Cuphead and Street Fighter still relevant. So that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Uh, before you go, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio, twitch.com slash Super GG Radio, and where we'll be coming up with some streaming plans relatively shortly. If you'd like to reach us with some questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com, and provide a review on iTunes or your podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening, and GG, Joel. GG Alex, see you next week. <laughs>